Good morning, A Vision for You presents Convention 2017 with one single passion and mission in mind to pass on what we have been so freely given and we'll be doing this convention style. This convention is to celebrate the program of recovery, its attraction. See it for yourself what is so widely known within the fellowship as we come together. The power of the big book that turns ashes into diamonds. Come see if this program of attraction doesn't break down barriers. Test it, challenge it here at convention. Witness victim to victory over disease. A vision for you is so passionate about recovery, we have been transformed. Convention is a time to learn and celebrate that fact together. Come enter the recovery zone. When is this? September 15th through the 17th. 2017, the power of the big book, your weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship in northern New Jersey at the Liberty International Airport Marriott Hotel. It is an extraordinary weekend. It's jam-packed with each one of you in mind. Make your registration reservations and arrangements today before it's too late. Registration deadline is August 24th. 2017 count those days it's only 26 days away and these tickets have been selling very fast kid you not everything you need to secure your seat can be found on our visions website at www.avisionforyou.info and one last thing and it's not the least a casting call. A Vision for You is looking for a few talented actors to round out our convention entertainment troupe. It's going to be exciting, dazzling, over the top. If you're interested in this spot, we need you. Just a few more. Find out the details on this fabulous opportunity for convention on our website, too. Well, the good stuff just keeps getting better, doesn't it? We're going to continue today. A Vision for You presents our weekly Sunday special edition. We had to quit playing God. Good morning to you, Leah. Good morning, and thank you, Melanie. And good morning to everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July 30th, 2017. The share IDs for Friday, July 28th are for the 7 a.m. Eastern meeting, one zero. 216. That's 10,216. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting, 10218. That's 10,218. This morning, a vision for you presents We Had to Quit Playing God. The way we manage our own lives brings us to the end of our rope. We hit bottom. Our ways and our efforts fail us utterly. Step one, if acknowledged properly, leaves us feeling empty. We have admitted our own powerlessness and the unmanageability of our lives. So we are left saying, if I am powerless and cannot manage my life, who can? The promise of the 12-step process is one of a spiritual awakening. We have tapped the unsuspected inner resource of strength by working these steps, and our spirit is awakened. A spiritual awakening can be thought of as a new state of consciousness and being, as a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery 
and as an awareness of a power greater than ourselves. The big book speaks of a transformation stemming from access to a source of strength, a power which before we had denied ourselves. This morning, a vision for you welcomes Marsha B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. She joins us to share her personal story of transformation as the result of the 12 steps. And welcome to the line, Marsha. Thanks, Lana. Can you hear me? I can. Very well. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. I um, hope I hope I can share some experience, strength, and hope with everyone. Um, good morning, everyone. Hope today is a beautiful and abstinent day for all of you. Uh, I'm Marsha B. I'm a compulsive overeater from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm grateful to be free of the food obsession today. I'm grateful for my sponsor, my family, my friends, my job, my home, um, this meeting, my face-to-face meeting, uh, and I'm grateful for the 12 steps and to be living in recovery one day at a time since December of 2013. Thank you, God. Um, When I was asked to speak, uh, we talked about a topic, and the first thing that came to mind, and I really truly believe that this little idea was at the prodding of my higher power is uh, there is a God and I am not it and or basically what Bill W says first of all we had to quit playing God Um, I say this pretty regularly at my face-to-face meetings I like having this daily reminder um, and I think that my higher power (laughs) likes to keep reminding me Um, first of all we had to quit playing God and the next sentence on page 62 is it didn't work. That's so important. Everything I was trying didn't work. I grew up a food addict probably as early as I can remember. Uh, I learned that food was just delicious. I loved it. And I also learned at four years old that you have to be skinny to be a ballerina. So my first career choice went down the drain pretty quickly. Um, in my preteen years, my grandmother snatched a piece of candy out of my hand and I was going to give that to my little brother, and she told me, don't give him that. Do you want him to grow up to look like you? Uh, Initially, I didn't think that food was so bad. I mean, I knew I had a few pounds on me. Um, My parents thought it was a problem. At eight years old, they prescribed and had a doctor prescribe amphetamines to me. I sure wasn't hungry when that happened, but I also wasn't tired either. Um, So that experiment ended pretty quickly. Um, then came there, they needed me to go to these commercial weight loss programs. They weren't working either. I loved food. I sat in one of those meetings with 12 pieces of bubble gum in my mouth. But there was always some frantic scramble from my parents that somehow I had to control my eating. But I didn't care. I loved to eat. I loved food. My mother was a fantastic cook. But when then I started middle school, the bullying began on the bus. I mean, really bad stuff. And in the halls and in the classrooms at school. And I started to care real fast. I didn't want to be that way. I mean, who wanted to be that way? Who wanted to be made fun of? But at that point, it was clear that somewhere along the line, I'd crossed the line into full-blown addict because I was unable to let go of the very thing that was making me so objectionable to, to everyone else. I believed in God as a child. I mean, I really, I never stopped believing. I just, 
didn't know that God had any effect on my life. I went to synagogue. I, I, I went to Sunday school. Um, I guess I had the mistaken impression that God would grant wishes to me if I only prayed to him hard enough. And I prayed. I prayed. But he didn't do anything. Um, I cried into my pillows at night and, and prayed that God would, would make me thin. He didn't. So I suppose at some time I decided that I was going to do things for myself since God wouldn't. I spent a lot of years playing God. I didn't recognize that I was doing that. I mean, I wasn't claiming to be the spirit of the universe and and judging of all people, but I sure had high expectations of everybody and everything in his creation. My expectations of how the world and all people should be was just good thinking on my part. I mean, I did a lot of right fighting. I was right about everything. And I deserved better from everyone around me after all I did for them. I wanted so much for myself. I wanted to be thin. I wanted to be married to a good man. I wanted to be rich. I wanted a few kids. I didn't want to have a care in the world, but that uh, was not to be. Uh, When my parents were after me about my weight, I wanted them to leave me alone. I'll eat what I want. When I was bullied at school and told my parents how hurt I was, I really expected them to give me comfort and solace. I wanted them to tell me I was beautiful. I wanted them to help fix my problems but here was their solution for me and it was always their solution a diet I was right that I shouldn't have had to go to the hospital to visit my dad he's always in the hospital I wanted to stay home and I wanted to watch tv and eat I was right that my mother wasn't raising my younger brother and sister correctly after my father died she and I argued a lot about what I thought she should be doing instead and I can't imagine why she didn't listen to me I was right that my sister was unhappily married to an alcoholic. He made her life miserable. I spent a lot of time impressing my very reasonable, sensible opinions on her, sometimes at the top of my lungs, that she should get a divorce and move on, and she just ignored me. I was right that my coworker keeps pushing ideas about making things more efficient in our processes, and I was right that his ideas are stifling our creativity. He's bossy and he's arrogant, and I'm going to talk about him behind his back. I was right, I thought, but was I playing God? Well, I didn't think so. I thought it was just common sense. See, being right means that it's not my fault. It means that I can be the boss and I can be the victim, too. I don't have to take responsibility for the pain I'm in. And I don't have to take responsibility for the pain that I've caused anybody else. I mean, I could lay it all at their feet. And I'd eat over it. And if I did eat over it, I mean, it's just, it was somebody else, something else I could blame them for. I have a lot of these expectations of people. And when they don't follow through, I become angry. And to numb that anger, I ate. Because I also wanted to be liked. But it's not just the anger. There's also the fear the guilt, the shame, and all that remorse. I mean, when my mother died suddenly one day, 20-some-odd years ago, if only I could go back that morning before I left for work and hug her and tell her that I loved her, she'd at least have died knowing she mattered to me, that she was important. I put on a lot of pounds over that one. My brother and his wife split up. 
what was going what was going to happen to my niece. I loved her so much. She was so little. I didn't want her to be unhappy. I didn't want their split to cause her to be hurt or to make bad choices later in life. I didn't want her to grow up or, or and become a, a a prostitute on the street and sell crack. I I didn't want to lose her. That's fear. That's that's fear of stuff that's not even happened yet. So what did I do? I ate over it. Anger, fear, guilt. I I don't want to feel that stuff, especially when eating is so much more pleasant. Uh, I can numb out with a carton of ice cream or a bag of chips or a sheet cake, and I can imagine that I can get in control of my life, maybe tomorrow. Playing God means thinking that I can control you, that I can control my family, that I can control traffic, politics, weather, anything. Of course it's ludicrous that somehow I have this power. I mean, to think that, that my thinking, my expectations are how things should play out, that is playing God. We read on page 60 in the big book that I am like an actor who wants to run the whole show. I'm forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players. And my arrangements never played out. I dealt with my failing arrangements by eating and and eating and eating and eating. Why? Well, because people and things are who and what they are. And they do what they do when they do it. And my keen, intellectual, compulsive reader mind says, how dare they when my ideas and suggestions are so much better. When something blew up, I replayed it over and over in my head, wishing I'd said something or done something different so there would be a better outcome. It's crazy to think that, that I can change the past or that that I can change someone's thinking or that I have some amazing ability to make something fit in a space that clearly it wasn't meant to fit in. I was living under the delusion that people are controllable, that life is controllable. And when I'm confronted with a reality I don't like, I eat over it. At the top of page 61, Bill describes me perfectly. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. I was both of these types. I was kind. I was generous. I was considerate. I was modest and patient. But I was also mean and egotistical, and I was selfish. I was absolutely dishonest. I was a self-seeker even when trying to be kind. I was a producer of confusion and disharmony. But I supposed all that mattered to me then was that I was right. And that got me nothing but 150 pounds of excess weight on my body and those bedevilments that just haunted my soul. I've been in OA since 1993, and until April of 2005, I'd found a modicum of some physical recovery, and I worked a few of the steps. I'd done a lot of service. I'd made a lot of friends. I grew a little. I relapsed often, and I never truly found recovery. As an, as an intergroup representative, I had many opinions about other people who were doing service, and I didn't hesitate to voice them to everybody else. I played God in group consciences and wallowed in anger and self-pity when things didn't go my way. I was a world service delegate, same situation, same behaviors, 
I never truly understand what I was doing or what I was supposed to be doing to recover. I thought I just had to follow a food plan, lose weight, attend meetings, and sponsor people. And boy, I had no business sponsoring anybody. As someone much smarter than me has said here in this meeting, I was dieting with group support. Worse than that, I was running on self-will and was almost always in collision with something or somebody, as the big book tells us. Eventually, I decided I had enough of the 12 steps, and I stopped coming to meetings altogether in the summer of 2008. I was dripping with anger and resentment and longing and shame, and my weight was nearly back up to its highest, and my life was out of control. And per my usual MO, it was OA's fault. So I left OA, continuing to eat, and in moments of fear and clarity and powerlessness, I couldn't help but worry at what point my weight was going to kill me. But in that insanity, I still had a plan to control it tomorrow. According to the big book, I made another decision based on self, which later placed me in a position to be hurt. I left OA. The third paragraph on page 62 says, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. I look back on this period almost as my wandering in the desert time. I thought I was done because I could figure this out on my own. I was that extreme example of self-will run riot, and I was miserable again. I thought that by leaving away, I had freed myself from the yoke of the 12 steps and meetings and from judgment of others as I was putting the pounds back on, which I could get under control on my own, remember, tomorrow. But in reality, I had just enslaved myself back into the bondage of food. That cycle of binging to the point of disgust, swearing off, becoming restless, irritable, discontented again, and then succumbing again to that first fight that took me to yet another binge. But for whatever reason, God wasn't done with me. I'm convinced that because he sent an, I'm convinced of that because he sent this annoying person in my life, this friend from OA who kept calling me, who kept annoying me, who kept reminding me that I was missed at the meetings and kept inviting me to come back. I didn't see it at the time, but I truly believe she was God with skin. She was my God with skin nudnik, a loving vessel that God used to speak to me and let me know that he was still here and that I didn't have to go on to the bitter end, a compulsive reader. Yet it still took me a few more months to continue my wanderings. And in January of 2009, I found myself back in OA, contrite and lost and desperate. You see, I had a niece now. She was nearly three, and I wanted to be there for her. I wanted to be able to be physically capable of helping her. I wanted to be there in every way, shape, and form that I could be there. And that was all it took for me to make the start back in the program. When it came time for me to do... uh, When it came time for me to do third step prayer, or third step for the first time, there was a great deal of trepidation that I would not be able to uh, turn my will or my life over to the care of God. 
Um, I'm glad I found my sponsor. Um, it seemed like turning my will and my life over to anything or anybody would be better than trying to run my life on my own. I mean, even though trying to uh, run my life was excruciating. A year after I came back into the program, I had over a full year of abstinence from sugar, but I knew things were on shaky ground because I was still running on self-will and I had no sponsor. I attended our local group's annual convention and I heard a woman speak about the big book. I liked the big book. I'd read it before, but its power and its meaning was lost on me. I mean, well, I'd known this woman, this woman who was speaking for years in OA. I'd had the opportunity to do service work with her, but I never thought to ask her to sponsor me. She was a most ardent big book thumper, strong in the 12 steps, long-term abstinence, and a no-nonsense butt kicker. And sitting there, though, I felt my higher power telling me that I needed to ask her for help. I truly felt my higher power saying, this is the one, ask. You need a sponsor, ask. And I needed to be done with my selfishness. I had to stop putting myself in a position to be hurt. I had to quit playing God. And for for some reason, by some miracle, she took me on as a sponsory and I was ready. I was ready to quit playing God. And I was ready to start humbling myself to one. Over the next year, I worked with her to get through all 12 steps. I had to let go of the illusion of control. I had to accept my powerlessness. And I had to find and surrender to a power greater than myself. Um, I had to understand that the child, the God of my childhood was not the Santa Claus God. He was not the one that would wave his magic wand and make me thin. I come to realize that I wasn't doing such a bang up job at God. But in chapter four, we agnostics, there is a passage that reads, when we became alcoholics, Crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? I knew that my choices were either God or to continue to run self-will. It was God or me. There was no door number three here, and I was a terrible God. So between the choice of God and me, I knew it had to be him. I needed to do some footwork, and I needed to get out of his way. So those early days of working the steps when life threw curveballs and I wasn't sure how to deal with them, I looked repeatedly at page 417 in the big book. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. My goodness, what peace is there in that one sentence? Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. That's it in a nutshell. What needed to change is me. I had to let go of my expectations. 
not just lower them, but let go of them completely. I had to let go of the anger or having been disappointed by a, a family member or a situation that happened. I can look squarely at that situation, sometimes with my sponsor if I'm particularly disturbed about it, and realize where I'm playing a role in my own sadness or my own fear about it. By doing this, by allowing a situation to be exactly what it's supposed to be and bringing God into that moment, I can be at peace with whatever it hurts, whatever hurts me or whatever scares me. I read this somewhere once. When I fight reality, I always lose, but only 100% of the time. My reality is that I'm an addict. I can't escape what is. There is only working with it or working against it. To live, I must quit playing God and start working with God. Since I quit playing God, my brother and I have the closest relationship we've ever had. Honestly, way back 20 years or so ago, there was a time when I wanted him dead. I couldn't stand him. But now I I love the man that he's become. I'm grateful he's a part of my life, and I'm so glad that we can talk and laugh and be in each each other's lives. Um, I'm I'm. I'm not as close with my sister. I'm sorry about that, um, but it, it's something that has come to be with our relationship. Um, I love her. I, I talk with her. I support her however I can, but I can't tell her what her life should be. She has to be married to who she wants to be married to, and I have no say in that. My relationships at work are 180 degrees different than they were. I, I don't allow irritations and chaos to overtake me. People can't make me angry. I make the choice to be angry. And I don't allow that to happen anymore because this is the way it is. I sit quietly in meetings and resist the urge to be sarcastic like I used to be. Uh, I've come to appreciate my one bossy coworker. Uh, he's still who he is. But I like him now. I even have a lot of fun with him. I really enjoy my interactions with him. He's a neat person, really. My fears, uh, whatever I have my fears, when I apply the steps and I talk with my sponsor, they abate more quickly and I don't have the frequency or intensity of the fear that I once had. Through working these steps with my sponsor, I finally realized that the majority of the pain in my life was because of things I had done or said that set set them in motion. I had to embrace that I hurt people. I had to embrace that what is, I had to embrace what is, and I had to let go of what is not. The crux of my attitude today, and it's what my sponsor and I say all the time to each other, it is what it is. Sure, it's a tautology, but how can you argue with that? It is what it is. I have not mastered this disease, not by any stretch of the imagination. To do that is to continue to play God. Two things I'm convinced of. I am powerless over food and over life, and I suck at playing God. And God gives me plenty of opportunities to practice, because my life is still filled with people who say and do things I don't like. I will never rise above being human, so I must deal with disappointments, fears, 
and regrets in a way that's healthy and rooted in acceptance. Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. I am not in control. I will never be in control, and it's okay. I will let go and fall into the arms of what is, the divine reality of life. There's more on page 62 of the big book. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, we discovered we could face life successfully as we became conscious of his presence. We began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. I had been filling that God-shaped hole with food. I was lost. I was a lost soul using food to fill that in. And today, I don't. And that's God working in my life. Yesterday, I was on a six-mile hike uh, in the hills of one of our Missouri State Parks. I was with some OA friends. I couldn't have imagined completing a hike like this a few years ago, even 30 years ago when I was much younger. But in the silent times as we trudged this trail, I sent up a silent prayer of thanks to God for not only giving me this ability to move in this way rather late in life, but to be grateful for all the pain, the fear, and the anger that led me to this present moment. It's okay to look at the past, but it's impolite to stare at it. What happens yesterday? What happened yesterday is what it is. What happens tomorrow is not my business. It is what it is. What counts is today, and today God is in charge, not me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Marsha B., for sharing your testimony as to the power of the 12 steps and the program of recovery. Thank you for your personal insights and experience. Marsha's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to question and answers. If you have a question for Marsha, you'll need to press star one to unmute and identify yourself, please. Carrie B. Carrie B. Melissa C. Melissa C. Kathy K. Kathy K. Jody EQ. And Jody EQ. 
All right, that's a good group to start with. Carrie B, go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much for your share. Uh, this is Carrie B, a recovered compulsive eater from Texas. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you do on a daily basis, uh, your your 10th step, um, when those feelings of, of resentment uh, or fear pop up uh, and you catch yourself you know, playing God again. Um, I don't know if, if, if you still do that. Uh, I catch myself a lot. Um, so I'm just curious as to as to how you uh, do your, your 10 steps. Sure. Um, actually, I, I'm pretty good about catching myself in the moment. I, I'm better at it than I, I'm sure better at it than I used to be. Um, it uh, doesn't mean that I don't occasionally have one of those lapses of whoa, but um, I, I I do what the big book suggests. And I pause and I I sit back and I pray. I, something perhaps there's something that my I, here's an example. I was uh, talking with my boss and and she had said something and I'd said something back. Uh, not in anger or anything like that, but I got the impression that what I said was was wrong, and I I went back to my desk and I just kind of ran that around in my head for a good half hour. Like, what did I say? What did I, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Did her reaction was was something that, that I, I, I thought that maybe something I said had disturbed her. And so I, I put that on. My people-pleasing tendencies started to rise up. And then I just went, oh, wait, pause, stop. What's going on here? And I, I processed it. Did I say something wrong? I might have. But I needed to get through that, 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 that fear of, of, of of somehow I had bothered this person. And when I finally processed it with God, I prayed to God. I said, um, help me to understand what's going on here. And my fears had come up. I mean, I, 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 this person is kind of my, in charge of my livelihood, essentially. I mean, she's not a mean person, for heaven's sake. She was a decent person. And, and so I, I said, okay, well, I, I got up from my chair and I walked over to her and I said, did what I say, um, I, I hope I, I didn't say something wrong. Um, and she said, no, 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 no. I, I'm just thinking about something else. It, 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 it's, it's nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. And, and, and that was resolved in the moment. But there, those are those little things that pop up in the middle of the day that, that I can either become disturbed about it and scared about it or angry about it but if I if I stop gnawing on it and just sit back and 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 work through it do that fourth thought four step that fifth step if I need to talk to my sponsor do, call her up and, and say hey this happened um, what do I do with it process it with her if I need to but if I do that quick fourth step where I'm sitting there, okay what is my part in this 
and then go to that person and say, I, I apologize if, if I hurt you or if, if I said something that was that was wrong. I, I certainly didn't didn't mean to to do that. That helps me, but that, that's those are the things that I need to do on a, on a sometimes even a momentary basis because I'm I'm not. I, I, these people are going to be in our lives whether we like it or not, and we need to figure out how to deal with them in a more positive way. And it's pausing, it's taking that moment to pause, and do that quick inventory, and then clean my side of the street. And if I need to process process that with my sponsor beforehand. I will do my darndest to try and process that with her or with somebody else in program just to be sure I'm I'm doing it well. Um, There was a time that that I just sat there and I knew that uh, I had said something wrong Uh, and I knew that there was something going on with my boss. And I, I, in that moment, I asked her how her mother was doing and I realized that it wasn't about me, her fears wasn't her fears or her, her reaction had nothing to do with me that she has a life of her own that she has worries of her own and who was I to think that somehow I was the cause of, of how she was behaving that day she had other things going on but those prayers those moments with God um, that that pausing is what really helps me to work through that fear or that resentment without eating over it. It's, it's a pretty regular thing for me. And it does, I, I still play God every once in a while. I, I, I admit, I don't like things that happen sometimes. I, I Honestly, I don't like them, but I must accept them. And that's how I deal with it. I hope that helps. Help me. Thank you, Carrie B. Thanks, Marsha. All right, Melissa C., your turn. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. um, Hi, thank you so much. I got so much out of what you shared this morning. And I I was hoping you could um, speak a little more about uh, the situation with a coworker who you had um, felt was really bossy at one time and how you've grown Mm -hmm. to appreciate him. I I really could use that. Um, Oh, the school in September, I have, like, people on my mind that I bumped up against. And, um, you know, I'd like to hear your process, how you did that. Sure. Sure, absolutely. I consider that one of God's best triumphs in me. <laughs> he was, this 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 gentleman that I work with is a character. He is a character. He's um, He was very difficult. And, and people... Still have difficulty with with him today. Um, I don't. I don't. I mean, I just kind of smile and, and nod, and I, I I I look back on the process that I went through to try and let go of my anger towards this man. Um, seriously, I, I couldn't stand to even hear his voice years ago. I, just just hearing him on the phone and in meetings. I mean. I couldn't even stand to listen to him anymore. And, and, and I would just, a physical reaction to him, to his presence in, in, in the building. Um, but 
but through working the steps, and I actually had, he was on my list of resentments. I mean, he was bossy, he was arrogant, he was telling everybody what to do, he was stifling the creativity of the rest of, the, of us because this is the way he wanted, his graphics were terrible. Um, even, you know, he's, he's much more gifted than I give him credit for in that, in this scenario. But, but in the moment, I, mean, I was reacting to this man trying to control me. And here I am trying to control him and the situation. And I would gossip about him and I was, I behaved really badly towards him. And working through this with my sponsor, I realized that I was the one trying to control him. I but I was gossiping about him. I was um, making fun fun of the things that he was saying behind his back. I was um, allowing his behavior to to make me angry. I was allowing it to to make me angry. I I was becoming angry on my own. Um. And what I had to realize as I was working through this is is what. What type of person is he really? What what does he what gifts does he bring to to the situation? And I realize he's very talented. He's really good at what he does. He's extremely smart. He really wants the best for everyone. He's really trying to think ahead and and make things better and make things work together and and help bring harmony to how we do things. And he's funny. He really has a great sense of humor, and he really doesn't. I, I know he doesn't want to be come off as arrogant and bossy and things like that. It's just who he is. It's, it's part of who he is, and and it's part of who God wanted him to be. It's it's who God wants him to be. God wants him to have these gifts and these talents, and he wants and he wants to share them with people, whether we want to hear them or not. And quite often, you know, he's not wrong about this stuff, but I was just so determined that I was right, that I didn't allow any kind of love for this man or acceptance of this man. And uh-huh. I, I, today, this person and I have a wonderful relationship. I actually seek him out and ask his advice on things. Because I know he's gifted and I know he's talented and I know he's smart and I know that he can help me work through a problem. And all I needed to do was let go of my expectations of him, that he'd be, he be different than he is. And I had to let go of the expectations, that, or the, the idea that somehow I was smarter than he was. Um, he is a really funny, fun individual. I truly enjoy working with him. Not to say that every once in a while he will do something that I just kind of go, well, I wouldn't have said it that way. He's still a human being after all, and so am I. And I can still appreciate the gifts and the abilities that he he brings to my life. Um, I can work and I can be at peace with him now. And that's a gift that God gave me when I finally was able to let go of that. I'm finally able to make amends not only to him um, for for how I I argued all the time, but how I treat him amongst our peers is so much different than it was. He's an important person in my life. Everybody that I run into is important, and I need to live my life now in a way that I don't have to make amends to him. So that's pretty much how I, I try and 
deal with people like that because they're everywhere and there's no escaping them. So that's pretty much it. Thank you, Melissa C. Kathy K., your turn. Did you say Kathy? Indeed. Oh, thanks, Leah. Um, thank you for your service, and thank you, Marcia. Um, it's great to hear you. I learned a great deal from your talk. I'm Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, I really hear the depth of your recovery, and I want to ask you if you can say something more uh, about how some of these ideas that we learn in the steps moved from your head to your heart. And what I mean by that is um, my experience has been uh, there are certain relationships, mainly ones that are I'm very close to other people in, where I can do a, a tenth step and I can see my part, uh, but I'm not necessarily able to... Um, transcend those defects of character like self-pity and resentment um, in those particular relationships, even though I will ask God for help um, and pray about it and do the, the turnaround work, there, I don't necessarily experience a shift in my acceptance of the situation. And I just wondered if that was an issue for you and, and how you worked through that over time. Well, um, thanks, Kathy. Um, it's, it's a process, and, and um, I think for me early in the program when I was working, start working through the steps, I had, to, um, I had to read the acceptance prayer on page 417 a lot. Um, I had to, in working with my sponsor, I realized that I had expectations about situations and and, um, and these ex- expectations are what's causing me to, to, to have these emotions. Um, the acceptance prayer really helped to bring things from my head to my heart. And I still, I still do it. I still, I still use it um, in in the situations because there there are people out there that um, I've not necessarily um, friends with, and I've, I've I've had to or 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 close to because of the nature of the relationship. I love my sister very very much. I I really do. I mean, from the depths of my soul, I love. I love my sister. I don't love the choices that she's made in her life. Um, I, 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 if if I were playing God again, I would want her to do differently than she is. I would want her to make different choices in her life. Um, but I don't get to play God. Um, so what I have to do is I have to adjust the relationship. Uh, I have to adjust the relationship that, that I I'm. I, we don't talk very often. We we occasionally, you know, say you know, say a few things on on Facebook. 
she'll call or, or or if I need to talk to her, I'll call just to just to say hi if there's important family information. But the bottom line is that the love is still there. It's now I can't change anything about her life. I can only change me. And I choose to have a good relationship with her when we talk. I choose not to want her to be different than she is. I choose to I choose to allow her to be exactly as God wants her to be in this moment. I I I can't control it. I I am like I said I, I'm not happy that uh, that but I, it's I'm not happy about the things and, and I wish she and I were closer. We used to be a lot closer 30 years ago, but that's not the way it is. It, it's just not and. And I can't change that. All I can change is is how I want to live my life with her right now. And that is I want to be at peace with her. Um, And I want to be at peace with these situations. I don't know if that was helpful. I don't know if that. Yes, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Jody EQ. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in Arizona. And thank you to the speaker for good morning. My question is on step six and seven. Um, We've been studying step six and seven this past week, and I'm just wondering uh, how they were instrumental in your recovery. Sure. Step six and seven are, um, I, I think it's it's interesting. Um, so they're so important. Those steps are the probably apart from step one, these are really important steps. Um, these are the the steps that 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 w- w- we need to change. We need to realize our shortcomings, our, our character defects, and now. We need to turn them over. We need to let them go, and we need to make room for what God wants us to be instead. And where I was selfish and self-centered and dishonest, I need to be selfless and more concerned with others and honest. Um, I, I had to 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 I, I needed to, to cha- take the situation and practice the opposite of what I used to do with it. And, and these are so important the, to to be a different person, to let go of the angry, controlling, resentful, fearful person that I was, and turn myself with God's help into a person who is more confident, who is more loving, who is more accepting and tolerant, and, and who is more honest than I've ever been in my life. Um, that when I'm when I'm with other people, that if if I'm feeling bothered by something, that I need to accept this moment and I need to continue to practice and be who God wants me to be, and God wants me to be loving and God wants me to be uh, accepting and God wants me to be helpful. And if I can't be, then that's okay too. Um, all I can do is what I can do as a human being. I can't be more than that. Um, so step six and seven, um, 
I didn't get it. I really didn't get it at first. I thought that step six was okay. Step six. Um, I have all these defects of character and I have to be willing to let go of them. And then step seven, ask God to take them from me. But then I have to be willing to let go of them. I have to be willing to let God take them from me. And when I am willing to let go of them, act as if God has removed these defects from me. That's what I have to do. I have to act as if I said, God, here is this character defect. Please remove it from me. Now my job is to act as if God has done that for me. And when I do, it's strange, but it works. That's, that's how you, I incorporate six and seven. Thank you. Thank you, Jody EQ. Want to let everybody know the share ID for today's presentation is one zero two two one. That's ten thousand two hundred and twenty one for today's presentation. Who else has a question for Marsha? Star one. Matt one. Matt. Raz R. Raz R. Michael H. Michael H. I didn't catch the person after Michael H. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Anyone else? Mary Lee R. in Oregon. Mary Lee R. S. June S. June S. All right. Mad M. Go right ahead. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. Can you hear me, Leah? I can. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation, Martha. This is Madame from New Jersey. Um, question: What was your what was your steps? What the hardest steps for you to do in the beginning when you first started? Oh goodness! Step one. <laughs> step one was hard, but also step five was very very hard. Um, step one: uh, When you're playing God, it's really hard to feel powerless. Um, but I had to. I, I, I had to really. I, I worked on it for many years, and uh, I started in in 1993, and I finally became abstinent in 2013. So, 20 years of of playing God is a long time um, to to recognize powerlessness. But I, I consider myself a slow learner in that regard. But the lessons kept coming, and uh, God wasn't done with me. So I, I appreciate the. I wish I had learned it earlier, but that's not the way it is. So um, this is how God wanted it to play out, and that's that's okay. Um, step five was very difficult. I had a lot of things that I um, regretted in my life. I caused a lot of pain uh, in my anger and in my selfishness. And um, there were – it was quite a long and arduous process uh it was like three sessions a couple of hours each um and a lot of tears shed a lot of shame a lot of regret a lot of a lot of shame and regret and um but it, it the only um the only way i could finally get through it was just uh, i had done a lot of fourth and fifth steps before but I never did a thorough one. I never really got to some of the, my worst um, harms 
that I caused people. I never, I never wanted to bring them to light. I never wanted to talk about them. Uh, the shame was too great. And to finally unburden myself of the real, the hardest, the worst aspects of my character, um, that was very difficult to throw that out there and trust that this person and that God were going to to keep these things safe and and secure and that the person I shared them with, my sponsor, would take them to her grave. I knew that. I knew that. And I knew that that God was going to be there to help me through it too. So uh, I think uh, nine was not as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Um, but 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 trusting, letting go, uh, and trusting in step five um, was was one of the more difficult. A, a twenty years of of working step one and working on powerlessness and step five, finally trusting and and truly putting out there the 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 person I I was and the harms that I'd caused were pretty pretty tough. Um, but I'm glad to say that um, today my 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 inventories aren't nearly <laughs> aren't nearly to the degree and severity that they they were, and uh, that's the work of that's the work of 12 steps and and my working with my sponsor and with uh, allowing God in to help me look at myself. That's all. I hope that helped. Thank you, Matt. M. Roz R. Hi, can I be heard? You can. Hi, this is Roz R. Recovered um, in Florida. Hi, Roz. Um, Mar- Hi, Marsha. Thank you so much for your share and the topic of Quit Playing God. And now I'm going to um, ask for um, some more of your wonderful uh, recovery, if I can. Um, it's kind of about, like, how do I know when it's God's will and how do I know when it's mine in regards to um, when there's a situation that I keep having gnawing at me that I need to change yet there's a fear about changing the situation and I'm not sure if it's something I just need to accept and grow with and I do pray a lot and I do pause and I do run it past my sponsor I just wondered what's been your experience if you have an a gnawing inside of a situation that you feel needs to be changed. How would you, or if you've had that experience, how do you know, you know, the difference between your will, God's will, or just letting it be and you'll be shown. That's my question. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um, That's a tough one. Uh, Sometimes um, when I'm caught in those kinds of dilemmas where I'm, I'm not sure, I, I guess it goes Back to the serenity prayer, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. What about this situation can I change? Um, and what about this situation can I not change? Um, if I honestly take a look at that and um, and realize where where my power is in this situation, um, and where my limits are, that's the only place that I can go. How, how, you know, what are my limits with regard to this situation? Um, I, I, uh, 
if I know that there is a a person that I want to be different or want to, want them to act differently, um, that then I'm back to playing God in that. Um, if there's something that is affecting me, then then that's in my control. That I can I can set limits. I can set boundaries. I can set um, I can set how much I want to let in to um, into myself and into my heart. Uh, I've had to um, set boundaries with with with. I set boundaries with, with my sister. Um, I've set boundaries with sponsees. I've set boundaries with um, um, certain people in my family. Um, and, and not knowing really the context of, of, of the situation that you're describing, I, the only thing I can point to is what about that situation is in my control to change. And usually it's me. Uh, I have never never really run into a situation where, well, not never, but um, I've never really been able to look at things beyond at this, I mean, after working the steps and, and, and living 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis, it's really never been anything that I can do beyond myself and and the boundaries that I can set and the, and the acceptance that I must have about a situation. Um, if, there, if, it, if it's somebody else and there's enough pain in their life, maybe that can change for them. But if, um, if the situation is about how much power I have, then I know that I'm pretty limited and that uh, sometimes I need to let go and let God take over and um, trust that, that what is is what God wants. I don't know if if that answered your question. Thank you, Roz R. Michael H. Star one to unmute Michael H. Good morning, Leah. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you, thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you for the great, the great uh, talk this morning. I just had a question about how you, or can you talk a little bit about how you, in the, you know, in step eleven, talks a little bit about in the morning reviewing our day, and then in the evening going through and and uh, you know reviewing our day, what happened, and that type of thing. So improving your conscious contact with God, aside from the pausing part when things happen during the day. How do you conduct a little about how you improve your conscious contact with God on a daily basis? Thank you. Sure. Um, in the morning, I'm usually, um, I, wa- I want to give enough time for um, meditation, so I do my, my morning ablutions, and then um, I, I just sit quietly, and I say, essentially, God, how may I be of service to you today? Um, I, I say I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. Um, help me to direct my thinking today and uh, help me to serve you and others as best I can. And then um, the evening is, is a, 
I, I do a lot of a, a, that stuff during the day, like reviewing my day during the day. I, I, I'm very conscious. I, I try to stay really conscious of, of where I am today in my relations with my coworkers, uh, with my work, uh, with other with people that I run into. Um, I, I know where my faults are, and I know where um, where I need to be uh, wary and, and to to help and bring God into a situation. Um, and in the evening, uh, I do I do go over in my day, you know, how the day went. I do sit there, okay, all right, well, I had this meeting. I, I was on the phone with this person. I had a moment there where I thought that this person was making a bad decision. Um, do I need to make an amends about how I, how did I handle that situation and do I need to make an amends for it? Um, my my amends, uh, I, I, I've learned to be much kinder, so thankfully, there, I make amends when I have made errors in, in, in discussing something with somebody. I, I have made immediate amends, uh, amends to these people uh, in many cases, like because I do that inventory almost constantly. Um, and usually, if, if I am, I sit there and I think about it, and if I'm sitting there feeling disturbed about the situation, I know, know I might have said something wrong. I do go immediately or within the hour to that person, and I and I say, you know what, I didn't really say that very well, and I'm sorry. I I I really didn't mean to come off that way, and and I do apologize for for hurting you, or and I and I'm going to be real aware of that and not do that again. Um, so I I feel like I I do that that that. Meditation. I do bring that. That I do bring God into a situation almost constantly during the day. Um, so, so that eleventh step at night, or that, or reviewing my day, and and I feel like things are pretty, pretty mostly serene. And if, if there's something that does come up, I do address it immediately the next day. And if I need to talk with my sponsor about it, I'll try to get her involved, but I, I'm grateful that that when things do come up and things are particularly disturbing to me, that my sponsor is there and can help me work through that fear or that resentment or, or that, that harm that I might have caused and come up with the, the correct way of making amends if I need to. And um, I, I am glad that having worked, truly worked this program the way the big book describes it, that this has given me the tools to do that kind of inventory almost on a constant basis and to, to, to have that, have God in there on that constant basis. That, that's, that's really how my higher, higher, my higher power and I work today is, is pretty much, pretty much consistently all day long so that in the evening it's kind of a check mark. Yes, I've done this. I've, I went through my day, I did well, uh, or I didn't do so well, and I need to fix that. And thank you, God. So, um, But, yeah, the day starts off with, with humbling and saying, hey, I'm not God, you're it. Uh, how can I be of service to you today? And then working very hard to be of service to God. So 
I hope that helps. Thank you, Michael H. Kathleen O., your turn. Good morning. This is Kathleen O., Recovered in California. And thank you, Marcia, for that fabulous share and all this great information. Um, on, you know, you, you spoke of the part of the big book, we need to let God be the agent, or God be the director and we're the agent. And what do you do on the occasions, if you have these, I know I do, where, you know, pushing God out of the driver's seat and taking, taking the wheel? What, what's your go-to to get God back in the driver's seat before you drive the car off the bridge? Oh, yes, and I've driven many a car off the bridge. Um, um, you know, I, I, I like to think that I can, can let God be in control all the time, every day, for the rest of my life, um, but I am human. I am progressing. I will never be perfect. Um, and there are times that, that I will I will take over the driver's seat and I will or yeah, and I will try and, and run the show. Um, usually those moments are brief. Um, I I am assured by my sponsor that having worked the steps that these moments these momentary lapses or, or, or maybe some fear is going on or some anger is going on, you know, some, some in, indignation that this person just did that or just said that or made that choice and, and how dare they. Um, I, I will get into those moments where I am going to start running around in my head what happened. And, um, and those, my, my, my sponsor and I, true what she's told me that those moments are become less frequent they don't last quite as long and they don't have the intensity that they used to um i I, if i don't like how i feel about something if i become angry about something that's an immediate to me sign if I'm not serene about a situation, if I'm not at peace with the situation, that's a sign that I am taking over, that I'm trying to run the show, that I'm that I'm wanting to get control back of a situation. So it may take me a few minutes because I, I'm in the moment of human being human. Um, I'm in the moment of, of being. I will I will not. I don't think I will ever be able to. And, and I, I'm not. I'm projecting, but. I, I don't know that there's a, 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 going to be a time when a, a, a situation arises and I will, I'd like to think that I will immediately turn to God. Maybe that's, maybe that, that will happen, but there's a momentary lapse in there where I'm going to be, what, what, what? And I call that my being human moment. Um, so I, I would like to think that, you know, a tree fell on my car and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to get out of the car and go, oh, well, it happens. It is what it is. There are going to be some moments where I'm just going to sit there and go, what happened? Oh, my God. i got to call the insurance agent. i got to do that. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be human in that moment. And, and 
or when somebody looks at me cross-eyed in a meeting, I'm going to be human in that moment. It's always about pausing. It's always about stepping back. It's always about going, okay, let's take a look at reality. Let's fall into the divine reality of what is. This is what is. Okay, a tree fell on my car. Now what am I going to do? What's the next best, what's the next right thing to do? And and doing that. The next right thing to do is, you know, all right, I need to make a phone call to my insurance company. Or in that situation with somebody looking at me funny in a meeting or giving me a dirty look, okay, what happened? Did I just say something? Okay, that person's giving me a dirty look. Am I going to get angry at that person or am I going to examine why I'm disturbed by that person giving me a dirty look. Um, there, there are going to be these little moments of humanity, and and it's all about the pause. It's all about stepping back. It's all about saying, okay, what's really happening here? Why am I disturbed? Um, sometimes it takes me longer than others to get that check. Sometimes I, I, I do want to take over the wheel. Heaven only knows. I don't, God and I are not on the same page about things, but I have no choice but to be on God's page about things. There's just no two ways about it for me to, to stay recovered. Um, God wants that. I don't want it. I don't have to like it, but I sure have to accept it. I absolutely have to accept it if I'm going to have any kind of peace. Um, I just need to talk things out. I need to vocalize it. I need to you know, let my sponsor know that this is happening and I'm not happy about it. And we work through it. Um, a lot of my, my big disturbing moments have to do with family. It has to, has to do with my niece. She's 11 going on, you know, 30. And, and I, I adore this child and there's so much turmoil in her. There was a lot of turmoil in her life for the last three years. And uh, I didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. I wanted her to be happy. I was, there was still that little part of me that I wanted, I wanted her to be happy. But that's not my call. I hate that that's not my call. But I have to accept that that's not my call. And I have to pray and, and pray that this child finds her way and that God is doing what God is supposed to be doing. And, uh, and all I can do is be her aunt and be there for her and be a sacred space for her and do service for her in the way that God wants me to and not the way that I want me to. I want to take her out of here and I want to move to a country and I, you know, and that's crazy. That's just insane. I can't. She has parents and I'm not one of them. And so, so I have to allow God to guide my thinking on that. Um, that's the only way I can live today. Uh, the way I lived before, I would have been eating. I would have been, I would have been at the grocery store in the bakery department, and I would have brought home every single thing in there. But today, I can't do that. I can't do that and be of service to my niece. I can't do that and be of service to God. Um, it's it's one or the other. It's it's the food or it's God, and I have to choose God in this situation. I have to pause and bring God into all these situations and get that peace that I know is there when I let God in. It's always there. It's never let me down, ever. And that's what I rely on. So I hope that helps. 
Thank you very much, Kathleen O, for the question. And Mary Lee R, your question, please. Star one to unmute, Mary Lee R. Good morning, Leah, Marcia. This is uh, Mary Lee R, recovered in Oregon just for today. Um, Michael and Kathleen asked um, my questions, and so maybe a little bit, you could talk a little bit more on the pause or how you stay in the present moment. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's it's definitely a human thing to to project into the future or to look back in the past. Um, uh, it, it, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's, I honestly don't think it's humanly possible to not project a little bit into the future. I mean, you know, next year I want to take my niece to Disneyland. I mean, so there's got to be planning involved. Um, I need to recall information from my past so I can do something in the present. Um, so it's not, I, I, I can't live totally in the present, but it's, um, from a practical standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, all I have is the present. Is the, present. Um, the present is reality. The, to me, it, this is, the present is, is, is a God thing. The present is, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, and when, when things happen during the day, I am stuck in that moment. I'm stuck in the moment of, of what, what just happened 30 seconds ago or what's maybe going to happen later on the afternoon in the afternoon my, my boss make hey i've got a big announcement it's at two o'clock today and I, i'm i'm going to okay what's the big announcement what's happening is she retiring is she leaving is what what's happening uh, or you know what did that person just say that means that i'm going to have to do this and and uh, and so there there is the moment i i I am disturbed in the moment. I am worried in the moment. I am angry in the moment. And, and I know it. I feel it. I, it. I physically react to it. My, my leg starts to bounce up and down when I'm at my desk. And, and, I, and I, I gnaw on what, what, what is she going to announce at 2 o'clock? What did he just say we have to do now that's making I have to change all the work that I was just doing? Um, so... What do I have to do? I'm, I'm sitting there in the moment, and I am, I am reacting physically. I'm reacting emotionally, and I have that ability now to recognize that. I didn't have that ability before. All I had to do was react. So I, I will always react to something, but it's the next right thing. It's the next, what's the next right thing to do? Okay, I am worried. I am angry. I am sorry. What's the next right thing? Stop. Think about it. What's going on? Do a quick inventory on it. I don't like that this person just said we need to do X, Y, and Z because that changes everything that I've been doing so far. What does that affect? It affects my 
my ambition to have been having something done correctly already, and now I have to go back and do it again. And what's my part in this? Well, maybe I didn't have a part in this, but maybe my part in this is is I don't, I'm resistant to change. Maybe that's my part in this. Maybe, maybe this is a good thing that he's asking. I'm not, I've not really checked it out. If I'm afraid of something, what's going on here? Why am I afraid that this person is going to, to this, my boss maybe is retiring. Uh Uh-oh, what's happening there? So that means I'm going to have to get a new boss or, uh, so I, I have to do that inventory. I have to pause because I need to get to serenity about it. I, I, I seek serenity as often as I can because that's where I need to be. I need to be serene. I need to let the situation be what it's going to be. I need to let the situation be what it, what it was and to, to do the next right thing. And the next right thing for me is to pause and to stop and to think and to do that inventory and then to get become to, to reconcile my my part in it and then work towards a solution. So, okay, this happened. What's my solution? Uh, and my solution is always what does God want me to do? And uh, you know, I, I I'm certainly not what I want Marcia to do. Marcia fails at this. Marcia sucks at being God. So bring God into this situation and help me process it. Help me work through it. And the, the, the physical release of, okay, this is the way it is, or there's going to be an announcement. I'll find out at 2 o'clock. Whatever it is, I'll, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine because nothing happens in God's world by mistake. So bringing all that, acceptance, prayer, all the inventory, the letting go. But I know when I'm physically, when I'm emotionally disturbed because I can feel it physically. I can feel my heart beating faster. I can feel my my shoulders go up. I can feel my, my knee. I know something's going on. That's how I know. And I know I need to stop and I need to pause and I need to figure, figure out what's going on. And I need to bring God into it. It's just something I picked up, something I learned doing the steps on a daily basis. I have a darn good sponsor. I'm very grateful for her. Thank you very much, Mary Lee R. And our final question for this morning comes from June S. Star one to unmute. Good morning. This is June S. Um, Marsha, thank you so much. Hi, Marsha. Thank you for your inspiring and thoughtful presentation. I can relate to so much of what you shared. Um, You spoke of, and if I have it right, I'm not sure, throwing yourself into the arms of, and I have a blank there because I can't remember what it was you said, but it was so powerful to me and it was so poignant. I said, I have to find out what the rest of that sentence is. (laughs) I, I, let go and fall into the arms of the divine reality. Ah, fall into the arms of the divine reality. Beautiful. I have no choice. All there is left is falling now, and I trust that God's going to keep me, because if I keep holding on, I'm never going to know what God has in store. Um, yeah. uh, one of my favorite sayings out there that somebody, uh, one of our OA speakers spoke at a convention a few years ago, she said, let go or get dragged. 
<laughs> and Great. that's what I was doing. I was allowing my, I was dragging myself everywhere because I would not let go. There are claw marks on everything in my life. I would not let go of them. And, and this, this was really important, you know, let go or get dragged. And, and I let go and I, I work on falling into the divine reality wherever possible. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Masha. I appreciate it. Those are powerful words and say so much. And thank you again. And thank My you, pleasure. Leah. Thank you, June. Thank you, June. And yes, thank you very much, Marsha, for sharing your experience, strength and hope and sharing your story, which was so profound of your transformation as a result of the 12-step process. Thank you very much for all that inspiration and insight. Thank We're going to close me the opportunity. My pleasure. We're going to close from page 164 entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.